and and as men, sometimes the wisdom that God has for us on how to lovingly, humbly, sacrificially lead our wife and our kids is in our wife and our kids. And if we don't ask them, we're overlooking and ignoring the place where God has already deposited the wisdom. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, there are principles in the Bible, but they are applied to your relationships. And you've got to ask those people, how's it going? All right, Mark and Grace here with The Real Marriage Podcast. You really you really don't want to do this question, <laughs> right? Rather not, but... Um, how come, before we get to the question, how come How come you're like, I, I don't want to talk about that. Because he's something. asking the wrong questions and it makes me sad for his wife. <laughs> I would just tell you, I think every guy would identify with that. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but... Um, so sometimes... If you ask the wrong question, you head down the wrong trail and you end up in the wrong place. And I'm going to read the question. Um, comes from a guy who seems to be taking his role um, and responsibility seriously, which I would encourage. And it seems to me... As a husband. As a husband. <laughs> but it seems to me that he has gotten some really bad teaching. And... When I say the things I'm probably going to end up saying to him and the men like him, it could seem uh, a little harsh, a little intense, um, but you're the product of your teaching. And as a Bible teacher, it just frustrates me when the Bible gets weaponized to cause damage because God's word for his people should cause healing and Mm -hmm. not harm. Mm -hmm. And in the New Testament, um, the Holy Spirit just brings this first to mind. Paul tells a young man to labor for sound doctrine. And a lot of times guys like this who are more doctrinal, more theological, more quote unquote biblical, they're like, they're like, yes, that's right, sound doctrine. The, the Greek word for sound there is healthy. Mm-hmm. Unless you become healthy and have a healthy relationship with your wife and a healthy relationship with your kids that comes from a healthy relationship with your God. You don't have sound doctrine because sound doctrine is not filling in all the blanks. Mm -hmm. Sound doctrine is not winning the Jeopardy episode. Sound doctrine is not being able to out argue other people. Mm -hmm. Sound doctrine is manifesting the character of Christ in the fruit of the spirit. It's healthy. It's healthy. And so uh, within this, um, he has this question. What does it look like for a husband to lead his household? You know, in in first pass, it's not a bad question. And again, I'm going to attack what you've been taught. And what I would tell you is to depersonalize what you believe from who you are. I'm not attacking who you are. I'm attacking what has been taught to you because what bad teaching does, it, it puts people in a position where they are asking the wrong questions. Mm-hmm says, as the leader in my marriage to a beautiful, intelligent, and then he says, beautiful wife. So apparently she's (laughs) double beautiful. How do I enforce the rules of our household? Words like enforce and rules. Do I just pray? Well, prayer actually is more than just prayer is more than just praying. (laughs) People that don't believe in prayer say, what, I just pray? People who believe in prayer say, just pray. Yes. Am I accountable for my household 
how do I correct behavior that doesn't bring glory to God? And I would submit that perhaps your attitude doesn't. What does a husband's wrath look like? Is a spanking ever an acceptable method for correction? Talking about in his marriage. So let me just pull out a little question here. Enforce. You might be referring to his household at that point because accountable for my household, how do I correct behavior? So he may have gone from marriage discussion to household. Okay. That's what I'm hoping. I'm giving him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. I'm hoping he's not asking yeah. about that with his wife. But Okay. Um, but here's the words. And so thank you, Grace, for living <laughs> up to your name. And So enforce rules, accountable, correct, wrath, spanking. Yeah, and a couple sentences there. Yeah, in a couple sentences. Let me just do the word count again. Enforce rules, accountable, correct, wrath, spanking. Six. Yeah, and and there's no wife out there going, I hope these are my husband's favorite words. (laughs) (laughs) And so what there can be, so there's, there's, there's two ways to have bad teaching that can even become false teaching. Uh, one is to uh, take out of the Bible things that are supposed to be there. The other is to add things to the Bible that aren't supposed to be there. So you can have error by subtraction or addition. Mm-hmm. One of the ways when it comes to marriage and family, there is this narrow lane. I won't name names. I'm not going to attack individuals. But there is this weird, hardcore um, subculture around marriage and family that is imbalanced. And it dials up certain verses. It dials down other verses. And it leads to certain guys who are high control, certain guys who are non-relational, certain guys who are more religious, certain guys who are more punitive, weaponizing the Bible. But don't know what they actually say. Weaponizing the Bible and misquoting the scriptures to be heavy handed, domineering and overbearing with their wife and with their children. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me. Like he's been subjected to that teaching. Now, part of the trigger for me, even on the question, in that really extreme subculture, they do have something that they would refer to as spousal discipline. That when the children disobey, the father spanks them. And when the wife disobeys, she also receives corporeal punishment. Mm. Which means in the family system... She is regarded at the same level as the children, which she's not. Mm. She's an adult and an image bearer of God and a mother and an equal and a co-heir with Christ. And I don't think you should discipline anybody in anger. He talks about wrath. Mm-hmm. We should never because dis- the point of discipline, even of a child, is not punishment, but it's correction. Mm-hmm. It's not to cause them pain for what they have done, but to show them that the path that they are on is going to cause pain. And so we want to correct their behavior mm-hmm. back toward toward good and toward mm-hmm. life. And and in that subculture, the wife gets treated really in not just a secondary citizen status, but I would say in an abusive category. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that when the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife, 
it also says, as Christ is the head of the church. And, and that he loves the church and pours himself out. Pours for her. himself out for her. And so what Jesus does for the church, he actually endures all the wrath, uh, all the accountability, uh, and 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 all of the suffering so that he can bless his bride, the church. Jesus doesn't pour out wrath on the church. Mm -hmm. Jesus literally endures whatever he has to endure to bless and to benefit his bride. Yes. And so, you know, I mean, if you're talking about husband's wrath, a husband, a Christian husband is not allowed to have wrath toward his wife or children, mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. Because the wrath was, here's the theological doctrine, it's this word propitiation that appears four times in the Greek New Testament. And when it says that Jesus is the propitiation for our sins, what that means is the wrath of God was poured out on the Lord Jesus. He took our place, put us in his place. He took the wrath so we get the grace and the love and the blessing and the mercy and the compassion. And so the whole doctrine of propitiation in the New Testament is God doesn't have wrath for us if we're in covenant relationship with him. He has only love and grace and blessing for us. So if you're in relationship with your wife and your kids, you're not allowed to have any wrath towards your wife Correct. and kids. Correct. Jesus took all the wrath. You, you, you're not allowed to pick up some extra and pour mm -hmm. it out on them. And I think part of what he is struggling with as well is he is looking. So I know I'm doing a lot of talking and theology, but I understand these guys. Yes. Because I have dealt with these guys Lived for a in very long world. time. And because I'm a strong personality and because I'm a Bible guy and, you know, I'm, I'm more of a dude. A lot of these guys are like, yeah, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, they listen to me, but they don't, they don't, they don't think right. Their heads are on crooked. Um, they take your words out of Yeah. Yeah. And context. my critics do as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it angers me to no end because it uh, makes me struggle with my wrath and <laughs> wanting to enforce rules and hold people accountable, correct behavior with spanking, but I get not allowed to do that. Um, and so question number one, I'm going to ask you if you, as a wife, from a woman's perspective, what is the difference between a husband leading through driving the family versus drawing the family? Uh, stressful versus love. What does driving the family look like versus it's driving? It's performance-based, and you feel like you can't ever measure up, and you're walking on eggshells. and Performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then drawing is, that's what the Lord does. He draws us to himself. He invites. He puts things, he blesses us so that we are, are drawn to a relationship with him, and it brings more blessing because we're connected to him. And so, like, the Lord Jesus comes to the earth, and people are drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Kids. Kids find him very safe. Mm -hmm. Like, kids are like, hey, there's Jesus. Mm -hmm. Everybody, get your wiffle ball bat. Mm -hmm. Let's go see, you know, mm -hmm. if Phil hang out with us today. So, children are drawn to Jesus because they're, they're, they know for a fact they're not going to be driven by Jesus. And his wrath is not going to come out on them. He's not going to have any wrath on kids. Mm -mm. Now, he got upset with religious guys, you know, built a whip and did a little Indiana Jones, but it never says that he whipped the children. Mm -hmm. Only the religious guys, probably because they were whipping their own children. Mm -hmm. So, um, and so people are drawn to Jesus, including, you know, just think about it for a moment. What kind of women were drawn to Jesus? Broken, hurting women. They felt safe with him. They knew... Um, they could tell that he had grace and tenderness and love 
even though he was truth incarnate and he was going to, but he drew them out in their brokenness to get healed. So like the woman at the well, mm -hmm. she's rejected by everybody. She's there alone because nobody wants to be with her. She's been through a parade of husbands mm -hmm. and now she's shacking up with her boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And she really is drawn to Jesus. Mm -hmm. She tells him her whole life story and all of her pains and problems. And he's safe. He's not going to take advantage of her. He's not going mm -hmm. to drive her. He's not going to, mm -hmm. you know, eviscerate her. He's not going to manipulate and take advantage of her. He's safe. Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. The hemorrhaging woman. I mean, the just woman caught in adultery. Woman caught in adultery. I mean, just over and over and over. Those women feel safe with him. And they know that even though they're broken, he will love them. And a lot of those women were broken because of men who were driving. Exactly. exactly. Pushing for sex, pushing for performance, mm -hmm. pushing for obedience, pushing for service. Mm -hmm. and, they, and, and the men were driving the women until something in them was broken. And then you would think that they would be triggered by, terrified of men, especially mm -hmm. powerful men, mm -hmm. especially religiously powerful men. Jesus shows up, they're drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Because he's this place for healing and safety and yeah. processing and help. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is sometimes when a man hears leader, he thinks I need to be driving. He doesn't understand I need to be drawing. And leading takes humility. It's not about walking around with a crown and scepter. It's, it's about serving. being humble and serving as Jesus did. Well, so Jesus' whole leadership is servant. You know, mm -hmm. He says, I didn't come to be served, but, but to serve. serve. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your attitude should be the same as Christ, Philippians says. He humbled himself and took upon mm -hmm. the form of a servant. Mm -hmm. And so if Jesus' leadership model is serving, well, that's different than driving. Mm -hmm. What's the difference from a wife's perspective uh, between a husband being a lion versus a lamb? I talk about this a lot with the men. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, you talk about being a lion for them and protecting them and providing for them and working hard, but a lamb with them, being tender, being kind, being loving. Um, and if you're a lion to them instead of for them to protect them, then you're acting out abusively and harmfully, whether it's verbally, physically, emotionally. Um, but if you're a lamb for them, that's not helpful either because then other people will act out against them and harm them because you're not there to protect them and speak against harm being done to so them. So Jesus in the Bible, and he's our perfect, he's perfect man. So mm -hmm. if, if you're, this is a husband's question. If you're like, well, what does a good man look like? Jesus. Jesus. Just let's make this as simple as we can. Jesus yeah. is not just good. He's perfect. Mm -hmm. He nailed it every time in every way and every day. So if you want to learn how to be a man, just look at Jesus. So Jesus is called in the Bible, the lion and the lamb. And even in Revelation 5, it literally, in the same few sentences, mm -hmm. calls him the lion and the lamb. Yeah. And you can look through the Bible. There's times that he is a lion. He's mm -hmm. defending against religious people. He's protecting women and children. Mm -hmm. He's fighting against injustice. There's other times that he is a total lamb. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter, when she was little, both of our daughters like the story of the healing and rising of Jairus's daughter. And She's on her deathbed and Jesus goes there and heals her. And one of her daughters, she made me read that story every night for a year. <laughs> she's like, I was like, well, let me read a story. And she's like, and Jairus' daughter. <laughs> so the thought of Jesus coming to a little girl's bedside to heal mm -hmm. her, that just was her vision of Jesus. Yeah. And so oftentimes, if you are a man who's a lion, 
when you read the Bible, all the lion verses are going to stand out. Mm -hmm. If you're a lamb, all the lamb verses are going to stand out. When it talks about Jesus' emotions in the Bible, the number one emotion that is mentioned of Jesus the most is compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and so ultimately, if you want to be like Jesus and lead like Jesus, you be a lion, like Grace said, for your family, your wife and your kids, you be a lamb with them. So maybe be honest. So if my natural disposition is lion, lion, but like with women and children, lamb, more lamb. So we just dropped off our daughter at college, our youngest daughter, kid number four. We're super excited for her. She's got great roommates. I think it's going to be great. And I had a nuclear meltdown. <laughs> I went to I went to pray over her and I just completely lost it. I just started crying, crying <laughs> and just hugging her and kissing her. And cause like my little girl is not going to be sleeping under my roof anymore, mm -hmm. which I'm going to start crying right now. Just thinking about it. And like my daughters make me cry all the time. <laughs> yeah. True. But, but men don't mm -hmm. like, there's not a lot of men who have, you know, held me while I cried, <laughs> but my daughters have had this experience a lot. <laughs> And so for you and for the kids, but especially for the daughters, I want to be a lamb for you, but a lion with you. And what he's talking about here, it's all lion language. Enforce rules, accountable, correct, wrath, spanking, lion, 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 mm -hmm. lion. It's like, well, the problem in your home may be, I don't know about, you know, usually if you drop literally like a wild lion in a home, the women and children go lock the door and don't come out. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. if you drop a lamb in the yard, <laughs> they'll go try and pet it. They're going to go try and pet it. <laughs> and so the question is, when you come home, is a lion coming home or is a lamb coming mm -hmm. home? It's a good question. And if your wife and children are experiencing you as a lion, you're like, well, how do I get them to follow? That's driving them, not mm -hmm. drawing them. Mm -hmm. And so I'll ask you one more question. Um, what's the difference between singular headship and plural leadership in marriage? Because this... Theological system mm -hmm. does not understand mm -hmm. that principle. It doesn't honor that God created us with equal value. Male, female, mm -hmm. both equal image bearers, image and likeness. Mm -hmm. Adam's perfect. God says you're not good alone. Mm -hmm. Now that you're a sinner, I'm sure it's not gotten any better. <laughs> so in marriage, what's the difference between headship and leadership? Uh, you are the singular head, but we have plural leadership because I get to speak into and you want me to speak into. Well, that, there's things you make the decisions on and yep. I defer to you because mm -hmm. that's your area of expertise. Exactly. Yeah. But ultimately, you're responsible for the decisions that are made. We make them together. But when there's things we disagree on and you have to make a decision, you're responsible as the head. But I would be terrified to make any major decision that right. we didn't agree on. Right. Because if you're listening to the Lord and I'm listening to the Lord and we don't agree, somehow the signals are crossed. Mm -hmm. And number one, I don't really have full confidence in a decision if you don't agree with it. And number two, how can we be united as one to work on whatever it is we're doing if we disagree on whether right. or not it should be done? So. Right. To me, unity is crucial because the two become one. Mm -hmm. And that means we need to be in agreement. And so anything that matters, we talk about, pray about, and come to agreement on. Mm -hmm. I just would never come home and tell you, 
you know, here's what we're doing. I'd be like, honey, here's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. You need to talk to the Lord. What's your perspective? Yeah. Because it's if it's not good to be alone, then why is it good to make decisions alone? Right. <laughs> yeah, know? absolutely. And he who yeah. finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor from the Lord. And a prudent or wise wife is from the Lord. Like, you know, there's a lot of verses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are like, hey, better talk to your girl because she's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so the principle of singular headship and plural leadership is that as the head, I take first responsibility. So with Adam and Eve, they were plural leaders. They both were given dominion, be fruitful and multiply, mm -hmm. increase in number, fill the earth. They, they were given a job description together and they're co-leaders, they're co-heirs and they're co-vice regents of God. But Adam was in the first position of responsibility and Eve was responsible and she was in the second mm -hmm. position of responsibility. So even though Eve sinned first, God showed up and called out to Adam first, where are you? Because he's firstly responsible. But let me say this. He's not solely responsible. Right. Yeah. So then God goes to Eve and he's like, hey, let's talk about your failure because you're you're both leaders. Yes. Active and passive sin. Yeah. His sin was passive. Her sin was active. But you're both leaders mm -hmm. and you both sin. Yes. And I need to deal with both of my failed leaders. So mm -hmm. he talks to Adam and Eve. But he talks to Adam first because as the head, he was firstly responsible. Mm-hmm. So as head, it doesn't mean that your boss, your bully, your domineering, and it doesn't mean that the wife is at the same level as the children. Right. The Bible says that children should honor and obey, and it speaks of young children, not grown children, their mother and their father, because the mother and the father are the leaders. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you are a leader. You are an equal. You are a peer. Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not on the org chart down there with the younger children. Um, we're ruling and reigning, you know, under the grace of God and for the grace of yeah. God together. And as head of household, that even means there are things that I defer to you. Like, mm -hmm. honey, what do you think? I mean, an example comes to mind. There were two schools that we could choose for our children that came available when we moved to Arizona. I wanted one, you wanted the other one. Mm -hmm. So what did we do? We went with the one I thought was better, and I was right. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end of the day, I was like, I could go either way. This would be my preference. And you said, no, I feel very strongly about this. And I know you walk with the Lord, and you hear from the Holy Spirit, and you pray, and, and you're a woman who's godly and wise. You're like, no, I just have deep, profound convictions that this is the right answer. And I asked, okay, then give me your case, because mm -hmm. I'm the case guy. And uh, give me the, the argument. Give me the, the reason. And you said, I, I don't know. I just feel very, very strongly about this. I had a few reasons, but nothing that was, you know, huge. It was more of a sense from the Holy Spirit that that's where we needed to have our kids, at least in that season. And they've stayed the whole time. But yeah. And what I decided was, you're going to make the decision. You have a strong conviction. There are other things that you make decisions on, like, Anything related to health or diet, I'm out. I mean, uh, you know, I'm out. I mean, I'm, I am not smart about this stuff. I'll be honest with you guys. I recently was trying to trim my nose hair because if I don't trim, I look like a guy who snorted a cat and out of my ears and my nose. And I nicked it and I didn't know how to get the bleeding to stop. So I put Gorilla Glue in my nose. That's literally something that happened recently. And it worked, but I'm not encouraging you to use Gorilla Glue on your body. So anything related to health or to 
medical. Who's the expert? Me. You are. I'm not the expert. I don't know anything about that stuff, obviously. <laughs> um, but it does mean that we agree on the decision. And even if we're implementing something that you are deciding, because you're the subject matter expert, mm -hmm. it means that we both take responsibility for it. And mm -hmm. I can never look at you and say, you put the kids in the wrong school and be mm -hmm. like, no, no, we agree. We work on it together. We yeah. implement it together. And if it doesn't work, I don't blame you as head of household. I take first responsibility to help architect a solution or a remedy yeah. or a plan. And of course, we're working on that together and we're doing all of that together. Mm -hmm. Now, those of you guys who are the hardcore, I'm the head of my household guys, I'll just tell you, be careful with that verse. A buddy of mine says it's like soap. The more you use it, the less you have. Mm -hmm. And if you're having to pull out all of the verses telling your wife that you're the boss, you may not be a really good husband. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the question would be, ask your wife and kids, ask your wife, I'll give you a couple of dangerous questions in conclusion. And I'm going to ask you to ask these questions and then shut up. Ask your wife, <laughs> what's it like being married to me? Do you feel safe? Do you feel loved? Do you feel heard? Do you feel cared for? Do you feel valued? It's a dangerous question. And if she says something you don't like, don't argue. Shut up. <laughs> and then ask your kids, what's it like to have me as your dad? Do you feel loved? Do you feel protected? Do you feel cared for? Do you feel like you get a lion or do you get a lamb? You know, do you feel like I draw you or drive you? <clears throat> um, and, and as men, sometimes the wisdom that God has for us on how to lovingly, humbly, sacrificially lead our wife and our kids is in our wife and our kids. And if we don't ask them, we're overlooking and ignoring the place where God has already deposited the wisdom. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there are principles in the Bible, but they are applied to your relationships. And you've got to ask those people, how's it going? Yeah. And if they say not well, what what should he do? If, if they say not well, number one, I would say, the people that you're listening to, and from the question, I could probably guess at least mm -hmm. the ecosystem, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, you show me your sickness and I'll show you your diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, there's a sickness here that comes from a bad diet. Mm -hmm. And I don't yeah. think he's a bad man, but I think he's been fed a bad diet. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he's not healthy. So what he's asking is, how do I get more authority? How do I get more control? How do I get more obedience? And, uh, you know, and how do I get <clears throat> more wrath? And it's like more relationship with the more people relationship, because these are all non-relational words, non-relational questions. Mm -hmm. I mean, to so me, he can repent. He can. These would be the kind of words that I would ask about my Bronco parked outside, <laughs> like, you know, rules, accountable, correction, enforcing. Like these are words that we use to talk about things, not people. Yes. These are non-relational words, and many men are simply non-relational men, and they think in non-relational categories. So they go to non-relational Bible teachers who then give them legalisms and sort of logical leaps, and it ends up with sort of a domineering, abusive, overbearing, religious man quoting verses to a wife who's scared, you know, quiet, shamed, afraid of him. She's treated like one of the children. And then the children just want to just not be home because it's a place that is not the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a sad scenario and we've seen it far too often. And so there's repentance here that can happen. But again, it takes serving in humility and being willing to listen to the hard words that might come from asking those questions. But probably if they saw humility come into play and repentance, they'd be overjoyed and want to help him work toward what the healing of that those relationships could look like. And then maybe it's finding a guy, a marriage, a family that is healthy and you see the life in the spirit and the freedom mm -hmm. in Christ and the fruit of the spirit. Mm -hmm. And they're drawn to be together, not driven to be together. And the wife is flourishing mm -hmm. and strong in a healthy and good way. And not independent, but strong. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, no. And, uh, and then just ask, Hey, can we get some coffee? Can I learn from you? Can, you know, I just see you with your kids and they're different mm -hmm. than my kids. I see you with your wife and she's smiling and snuggling mm -hmm. with you. It seems like she likes you. Mm -hmm. You know, how yeah. do we do that? Yeah. And uh, my guess is as well, this <clears throat> this will be offensive because I haven't said anything offensive in this podcast. So we reached that point. This is usually what's called a cessationistic environment mm -hmm. that diminishes or denies the ministry practically, relationally, emotionally of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And you cannot be a healthy version of you without a personal, ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times guys are like, how do I get my org chart right? And how do I get my theology right? And my question is like, well, how do you get your heart right mm -hmm. so that God can make your relationships right? And you're going to need the Holy Spirit for relationships and you're going to need the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. for emotional health and well-being. Yeah. Holy Spirit brings fruit of the Spirit, and you can't have the fruit without the Spirit. Yep. And so you're going to need to find somebody filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And it, and for you, you've only been working with your right hand, and that is power, control, domineering versus punishment, consequences, performance review. Left hand, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, mm -hmm. gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Mm -hmm. And that's all life in the Spirit. And it could be out of his own brokenness, so he may need to just get counseling to heal up so that he can actually experience love himself from the father that loves him and then give because we only love because he first loved us. And if we haven't experienced that or allowed that to really fill us in our soul, then we don't know how to love others. Well, and men like this, I'll close with this. They, uh, they oftentimes come from broken homes mm -hmm. or abusive situations or trauma and they hear that they're responsible for their family. And so mm -hmm. they take it very seriously, which mm -hmm. I think is really, really good. Mm -hmm. But then with bad teaching, they become a different kind of abuser. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Father, I pray for wisdom in the Holy Spirit. I think of James 1, 5, where it says, if we lack wisdom to ask for it, that you'll give it to us in abundance without finding fault. God, these are the situations that we need wisdom. Are we, are we misreading the Bible? Are we weaponizing verses for control and power instead of relationship and love? Are we working in the flesh or the spirit? Are we working out of fear or out of faith? Are we drawing people? Are we driving people? Are we um, honoring our wives as equals and co-heirs? Are we lording it over them as the Gentiles do? All of these questions, God. I know there's some women that are going to hear this and it's going to sound like their husband. And God, I pray that when he hears this, he would hear this from me, that I love them and I care about them. And I'm not trying to um, attack them, but I want to encourage them that their view of God is wrong. Their view of the gospel is wrong. Their view of Jesus is wrong. 
And until that is made right, the marriage and the children cannot be in a right environment. And so, God, I ask for the Holy Spirit to go before on some of these conversations. And I pray for the hearts of the men to be soft so that, God, you could father them and teach them how to love and lead well. In Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen.